Hey, are you here? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, ones and alls, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Today's guest is a genuine legend in Texas music and is considered an icon in American country music as a whole. We present Paul E. Leslie's interview with Gary P. Nunn. <laughs> now, Gary P. Nunn has had his successful solo records and performances, but he's also known for his work with Michael Martin Murphy and the late Jerry Jeff Walker, among others. Gary P. Nunn has written some great songs, including London Homesick Blues, that was used as the theme song for Austin City Limits for well, almost 30 years. And you know what else? Listeners like you can help keep the Paul Leslie Hour going, going strong, going really, really strong. All you do is visit www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Got it? Do it. Thank you. Wait, 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 is that Gary calling? I thought I heard that phone ringing. Hey, Paul! It's Gary! Gary P. Nunn! Go ahead. Take it. Hey, it's me. Hey, Paul. Hey, Gary P. Nunn. How are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm sorry I didn't pick up. I had a floral something New York phone number, <laughs> and I didn't recognize it. <laughs> I never heard it called floral before, but I'm going to carry that with me the rest of my life. <laughs> but anyways, we're, here we are now, so I've been, I've been waiting for you to call. Well, I appreciate you, you, you coming on here. I just want to introduce you properly to all the listeners out there. Gary P. Nunn is with us. He is a great singer, performer, recording artist, a wonderful songwriter. He wrote some real classics, such as Last Thing I Needed, First Thing in This Morning, London Homesick Blues, What I Like About Texas. A lot of the greatest recording artists ever have cut his songs, people like Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker, Chris Stapleton, Michael Martin Murphy, Roseanne Cash, David Allen Coe, He's been declared an ambassador of Texas music, an inductee of the Texas Hall of Fame, the West Texas Walk of Fame in Lubbock. In 2018, Gary P. Nunn published his memoir, At Home with the Armadillo. He continues performing well past retirement, I might add, as a solo artist and with the Los Gonzo Band. It's a real honor, a great pleasure to have you here on the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you, Paul. It's um, I'm delighted to be able to visit with you. Yes, sir. It's, it is a real honor. So when you think back, I mean, that, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, in addition to making your own records, having these great artists record your work, receiving these honors and accolades, has there been something about your career or life that has surprised you? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, of course. Of course, you you hope for the best, you know. And but yeah, a lot of the the, 
you know, the, the things that you mentioned, you know, were surprises. It was, it was a total surprise when, you know, Willie cut last thing I needed back in 83. And, you know, it was a surprise when Jerry Jeff Walker asked me to sing London Homesick Blues on that Luke and Bach Viva Terlingua record. And, uh, oh, I, I could go on and on, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of surprises. But, you know, I've always just tried to, to work hard and, and stay committed and stay focused and, and with the belief that, you know, eventually things would turn out okay. So, so a lot of things have, a lot of good things have come my way and I'm, I'm proud and honored. On the note of being proud, what would you say with all these, these honors and, and work? I mean, it's a lot of work. Sometimes people don't see work. What would, what would you say, Ari, you're the most proud of? Well, as far as the accolades go, you know, I think I'm most proud of, you know, being inducted into West Texas Walk of Fame. It's basically the Buddy Holly's Circle of Fame. And, you know, of course, uh, Buddy Holly was the first inductee and then Bob Wills and Waylon Jennings and, and my, my hero, uh, oh, <laughs> I say my hero and I have a blank. He's saying crying. Roy Orbison. Oh, yeah, Roy. Uh, Roy Orbison. You know, he's from out in our part of the country. I grew up just south of Lubbock and, and Roy Orbison was a king. God, and when we were kids, you know, those are the songs that we we tried to do all of his hits that he did. Crying was a big one, you know. And so, but that, you know, just being able to be mentioned in a group of people like that is, is a tremendous, a tremendous honor. I've done a lot of research for this interview. And the, the fun part, the really enjoyable part is listening to all the music. And it's been a lot of stuff. Not only your own work, but stuff with the Los Gonzo Band, appearances on other artists' albums, and it's a great variety of stuff. Now, you mentioned Roy Orbison. Who would you say are the, the singers and the bands that have had the greatest influence on your work? Well, gosh, it's, it's hard to say. I have to say, early on, you know, when I was in high school, my brother went to uh, college at North Texas State, which has a great music department, and they turn out a lot of jazz musicians there. And back in those days, you know, the big bands like Stan Kenton Orchestra, Duke Ellington, uh, Dave Brubeck, and all, you know, and I, I had I had grown up with uh, two or three years of junior high band, you know, and so horn music, uh, you know, was was I, that's what I was into in high school. You know, we, we'd do, uh, you know, the ventures and, uh, Chuck Berry and Brady King and, you know, all the guitar classics, Jimmy Reed and stuff like that. And, but, you know, what I listened to and what enchanted me the most was just the incredible artistry and, uh, beauty and, and coolness of, of all the big, big jazz band. Things and then later on, you know, it kind of took a step back. I wouldn't say a step back, but just in the uh, complexity of it, you know, Ray Charles. I became a huge Ray Charles fan, and you know, I listened to everything he did. So, you know, those guys. And then, you know, when the Beatles came along, they had a tremendous 
impact on me because, you know, I've always been a vocalist and, and, and vocal harmonies were, were very, you know, it came very natural to me and to the Beatles vocal harmony thing. And, you know, you can see that evident in some of the Jerry Jeff Walker records we did because me and Bob Livingston, you know, with our vocal harmonies, we're doing our best to, to try to, try to Beatlesque it up as much as, you know, we were able to. So I'd have to say that those, those were probably my, my greatest influences. That's a, a, a quite a variety of stuff. And you can actually hear a lot of those influences coming out in your work. Would you say that the purpose of the art that you create, recording and writing songs, has that changed over the years? Well, I would say yes, probably. You know, as things, we went through the cosmic cowboy period, you know, in the 70s with Michael Murphy and Jerry Jeff Walker and Willie Nelson and all that, and the Los Gonzo band. And it was during that period uh, that, I kind of got zoned in on, like, you know, what Texans respond to, and uh, and and tried to to hone my hone my songs and pick my songs and play my songs in a manner that 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 they could be be best related to by a Texas audience because you know Texas is a huge state and country music was a kind of a staple in its uh, history and so that was all a part of everybody's dna sort of to speak you know might have gone back a generation or two but you know even people my age you know they talk about their dads they you know he played bob wills and listened to ernest hub and and hank williams and all those guys on the radio and so you know we kind of came from a the band guys that I came from, we kind of came out of the Beatles area, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Buffalo, Springfield type of stuff. And then when Jerry Jeff and Michael Murphy, they came with these kind of eclectic, folky type of songs. And we had all this rock and roll background. It was a nice blending of, of the two genres that, that, that produce, you know, what, probably is known as, you know, the Texas country music sound today. It's kind of based on songwriting, acoustic guitar with with uh, bands and electric guitars and steel and fiddle, you know, thrown in there to, to color it. But, yeah, I, I would say that I, I have kind of focused, you know, my attention on... on I'm trying to relate to a Texas audience because that's my audience. And, you know, I still play dances and we have three, 400 people on the dance floor. And, and you know, it, there's an art to getting them out there and keeping them out there. And I found that that's what works best for me. Would you say that a Texas audience is unique in any way? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, you leave the state, you know, of course, you know, kids learn how to two step, you know, from, the time they're old enough to dance on daddy's toes. And it's it's just a part of the culture, you know, country two-stepping dancing and, of course, waltzes and uh, polkas and shottises and things like that kind of come in there too. But it's, uh, you know, any red-blooded Texan, you know, has got to be able to two-step or you, you just don't fit in, you know, because 
that's what everybody does when they go out. And they dance. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of the, the people that you've worked with a lot, the late Jerry Jeff Walker and, of course, Michael Martin Murphy. Now, when I yeah. think, and these were albums that were before speaking personally before my time but to me i still i look at these albums like geronimo's cadillac and you know uh-huh. these albums that were made around the early 70s like uh, viva terlingua was there any sense of like awe or a realization of this work that we're doing this is really exceptional well, not really, you know, of course, you know, compared to the slick records that were being made in Nashville and New York and L.A., you know, they seem kind of raw and rough and edgy, you know, without a fine-tuned polish on them. And so it, we were just thankful to, you know, to be able to participate and, and back up those guys, but not really knowing, you know, what or you know, what might develop from it. Uh, but there, there was a time, you know, those were the early 70s, you know, coming out of the Vietnam War and, you know, the, the, the long-haired hippie thing, the culture started started uh, spreading across the country. And there was a little that, you know, like down here in Texas, we all kind of came from a cowboy here. No, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just... We were just using our natural talent and shooting from our shooting from the hip and you know, a lot of times and most times the things that we did were like first takes, you know. And uh, just whatever happened was it. So. <laughs> well, what was the first impression that you had of Michael Murphy? When you first were eyeball to eyeball with him, what what did you think of this guy? Well, my, you know, when I first saw him, I, I went to see a show that he did. It's it probably his first appearance that I was aware of. And he did a show. And I'd, I've been hearing a lot from these singer-songwriters around town about this guy, Michael Murphy, and all these songs he was writing. So I was very anxious to uh, to uh, to hear him. And so I went over there at the Saxon Pub uh, where he performs a little kind of a coffee house folk singing club and where the folk scene was happening in those days. And, and I, I heard his, uh, you know, he was, he was doing many of those songs that were on that, uh, Geronimo's Cadillac record. Cause he had just got back from Nashville cutting the, the first cut. So he just went in there and cut it live. He and Bob Livingston cut them live and that that was what the record was made from eventually overdubbing those original tapes but i mean they were so far ahead of anything that certainly was going on around here much more sophisticated intellectual eclectic you know uh, uh, and almost uh, had a spiritual you know he exuded he's like a really raised in a baptist church atmosphere and there's there's a little bit of the preacher in him, not a little bit, but a lot, you know. And he he wears that on his sleeve. So I was very very impressed by that, you know. Looking at him straight to straight, you know, it was uh, it was apparent that that he was uh, very intellectual for one thing, and and uh, determined, talented, you know, uh, a bit of a 
you know, like he had a definite idea of how things ought to be. And, you know, that's the way they were. You know, he, he's a very strict kind of taskmaster as far as a, a band guy went. But uh, it was all, you know, we all kind of needed a little discipline, I suppose. But uh, and he, he kind of had a kind of an Irish temper about him, too. You know, he things didn't go his way. He, he didn't mind telling you about it, even if it was during in the middle of a song on stage. <laughs> hmm. You know, like sometimes that first night, you know, somebody, the cash register in the bar went off and he stopped the show and said, you know, I don't want to hear that cash register going off anymore. You know, it's disturbing my music because he was, he was very intent on having everybody totally focused on what he was doing with no, no distractions going on anywhere. But sort of an intense sort of guy, you know, but very intellectual, interesting. And, and, uh, of course I was, I was enthralled by him because we have a lot of common things in our, in our raising and our background and just the kind of men we grew up to be. And so he, cause he's the best thing that I'd ever been exposed to. And, and to have, he walked off the stage on the break and offered me a job playing bass for him. And I, of course I was thrilled. That was, a, that was a big surprise. I can tell you that, <laughs> but I was thrilled. I was thrilled to be able to, uh, you know, jump on that bandwagon and, and kind of study uh, with him. And he mentored me a great deal about the business and songwriting and and the business in general. So I, I hope that uh, somewhat answers your question. Tim. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, you have a, a gig with the Lost Gonzo Band coming up September 10th, 2022 in, in New Mexico. Right. Yeah, we're, we're going up there. Michael Hearn, who is a well-known songwriter, who has spent the greater part of his adult life up in in the Red River, Santa Fe, Taos area. And he's like the king up there. And he, he started this music festival probably 20, 25 years ago. So we go up there every year to be a part of that. And that's a, that's a big festival. And it's really a first-class festival and very, very successful. The uh, town of Taos have kind of turned the town over to him because he draws four or five thousand people, you know, for two or four or five days to the city. You know, and and also, you know, we've been doing we've done three or four shows with the Los Gonzo band, kind of reunited. Right. And uh, we did one at Lukenbach uh just a couple of weeks ago. And we did one at Green Hall, which is one of these old German dance halls that that's a classic uh venue down around New Braunfels, Texas. And and now we're going to do this one and and uh, up in Taos. So it's it's really cool to get together with those guys and, and go back and revisit those songs. And we pull out a lot of the stuff that we recorded with Michael and Jerry Jeff. You know, we do Geronimo's Cadillac and Cosmic Cowboy and Backsliders Wine and Alleys of Austin, things like that. And then with Jerry Jeff, we'll do uh, Hill Country Rain and. Sangria wine. Oh, yeah. You know, high buckaroos, or that's what I call it. Getting by on getting by, you know, which was the first cut on that Diva Terlingua record. But, uh, that's, that's a real thrill to get back with those guys, you know, and it's, it's kind of aside from, from my career because, you know, I've been working steadily since about 1979 when we, when we departed ways there. 
you know, to to starting from scratch and, and trying to scratch my way up in the in the music world, you know, after I have to start all over again. Well, you know, speaking of going back, a lot of those songs you mentioned were recorded 50 years ago, but on the note of, of going back, right. if you could sit down some way, somehow, you could go and sit with the young Gary P. Nunn, who was just starting off in the music business, and say, Gary, <laughs> this is the Gary P. Nunn from the future. You need to listen to me. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> what would you say? Well, gosh, uh, you know, I would say, first of all, you know, just try to weed out the distractions. That There's so many distractions, you know, because there's always a party going on around. And 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 just stay focused and sharp and, and take care of your business. You know, so many, that's one thing that I'm, I'm really proud of. I did, I, like I say, I started from scratch and there wasn't anybody to do it for me. So I just took on the responsibility of, of uh, you know, making my own records and start my own publishing company and having my own record label and doing all the work, the clerical work and everything myself, you know, and have to look after it. Because a lot of artists neglect that, you know, they think it's all going to be done for them. They end up penniless, you know, at, at the end of their careers. So, so I've, I've tried to, I would just tell them, you know, avoid the distractions, you know, stay away from drugs and alcohol hmm. and and and, t and take care of your business. You know? Was there somebody that you worked with throughout the years that you would say that guy he really had a handle on the business end of music. Right. Well, you know, from my own personal, Michael Murphy definitely had a handle on the music, on the business. And he shared a lot of of his of his uh, information and knowledge with me and really guided me and mentored me about the music business, particularly the uh, publishing business aspect and the songwriting part of it. You know, as far as somebody I really admire, obviously, you know, Willie Nelson, you know, is he's taking pretty care of pretty good care of his business, you know, and uh, guys like George Strait, like that, you know, who are so successful. But, but uh, they had good people working for them, obviously, and that and that's a critical aspect of it. Of somebody that you know, it's not out to uh, divert your funds into their pockets, you know, which is easy to do in this business yes sir <laughs> you know i did an interview with jerry jeff walker in key west this was probably going on like two decades ago or so and okay i remember during the interview i started off i was kind of intimidated i kind of thought this is jerry jeff walker that's sitting in front of me and he uh -huh. had this kind of smile about his face, and I, I started to think, like, he's just messing with me. <laughs> like uh, he, yeah. That, well, there's a definite possibility. <laughs> he loved to mess with people. <laughs> and then uh, I remember he said something that just completely disarmed me, and I, I almost viewed it like he was saying, like, hey, kid, you can relax. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, oh, uh, it's right. all right. <laughs> right. 
Well, Jerry Jeff, you know, he was an interesting character. He was always pushing the edge, you know, of seeing how far he could, you know, take it without, you know, somebody busting him in the face or him falling off a cliff or something. <laughs> but on the, on the other hand, you know, uh, he had very good artist uh, uh, sensibility about him and, and uh, you know, he, there was a kind, there was a kind soul down there. Sometimes he had a hard time showing it, you know. Right. But uh, that was one one thing that I uh, I tried to do. I tried to bring out the best in him. You know, I, we get up on those airplanes and talking late at night after a show and flying somewhere, and we start talking about something. And you know, I had a way of directing his attention to kind of the positive aspects of what he was talking about, and he would jump right on it and run with it. Hmm. You know, because it so. Uh, you know, I'd like to say that I had a positive influence on it, you know, trying to get his mind off of beer and other stuff, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and on real stuff, family stuff, business stuff, and, and music stuff, our business, you know, things that we should be doing, you know, to improve his and our situation. Can you remember the first time you heard something of yours on the radio? And what that felt like? Oh yeah, I can. It was uh, well, Michael Murphy and I wrote a song on the uh, Cosmic Cowboy record. It was kind of about a six-minute. It was almost an orchestral piece done uh, with a rock and roll band. But uh, it came out on that record, and and you know we got back from Nashville, and a few months later the record came out, and and I I, I turned was listening to the local radio station here in Austin and and that song played and I was just you know I went, you know I was by myself so I couldn't go around bragging you know say ask me or anything but you know I had my little private moment of, of, of pride and, and a sense of accomplishment that at last you know that I had something that was on a, on a record and playing on the radio. I always like to hear writers, whether it's their own work or someone else covering it, it seems like this is just a defining moment in all musical artists hearing themselves on the radio. Well, yeah, it's it's just substantiation, you know, that right. that what you're doing is 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 being accepted on the other on the other side and, and that's a great feeling to know that you know, that you're being accepted and, and even liked and enjoyed by, by the audience. Was Michael Martin Murphy the first person to record a Gary P. Nunn song? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. Yeah, that was, that was the first one. And that was a co-write, you know, but still, yeah, it was a, a writing credit. And, but yeah, that, that was, that was the very first one. Has there been a favorite interpretation of one of your songs? I mean, like I was mentioning at the introduction, these are some great, great legendary artists, Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker. Who would you say has done the best version of a Gary P. Nunn song or a, a co-write of yours? Well, I thought, uh, my ex-wife and I, Karen Brooks, wrote a song called Couldn't Do Nothing Right that Roseanne Cash recorded. Gosh, it 
back in the late 70s, probably. She did a good job on that. They did a good job of producing that record. And But I'd have to say my very favorite, besides Willie's cut of Last Thing I Needed, you know. Right. I put out a record, oh, it's been a couple of years now. It was, it was called Friends for Life. It was a record of duets. And there's this female vocalist here in Austin. Her name is Kimmy Rhodes. And she she's just a, got a beautiful voice, and she's a sweet lady. And she's kind of been around kind of in the edges of Willie World, you know, as far as. Uh, and I got her when I did that duet record. I asked her to sing the last thing I needed again. And it's the first female that's done it. And, she, I mean, she just nailed it. Hmm. And that was one of my favorite. It's so sensitive and pure and and soulful, you know. And it's it's simple, you know. There's not a lot of production on it. It's basically just her voice and a nice. We backed her up real real good on that, and she did a tremendous job on that. Kimmy Rhodes is her name. Last thing I needed from the Friends for Life CD that I did. It's a duet. I had, you know, Kevin Fowler, Bruce, Bruce Robinson, and Cody Johnson, Dale Watson, Robert Earl King, Lyle Lovett, and, you know, a lot of people like that that are very, very successful here in the Texas market, especially in some of them nationwide now, you know, to sing with me some of the songs that I'd done previously, some of the most popular tunes. And, uh, but that was the one that, that's the one that really, I just, I'd melt every time I hear that. I can't wait to give that a spin. What did you think of David Allen Coe's take on London homesick blues? <laughs> well, of course I was proud to have David do it. And, uh, it, uh, I don't know. I thought, I don't know. Maybe he rushed it a little bit, you know, rushed through it. I don't know. It's, it's hard to be critical. I hadn't heard it in, in a long time. <laughs> but it, 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 I thought he, he uh, I don't know. Well, he, he, he did the David Allen Coe thing, you know, <laughs> just like he would do. So. But I was sure proud to have him do it, you know, and he cut, couldn't do nothing right either here lately. It seems like there's another one of them he's done. But, uh, you know, I love David. He, he's such a character, and he, he's so, gosh, you know, he's his own worst enemy <laughs> in a lot of ways. He's so incredibly talented and got a great voice and great songwriter and, you know, really a truly a gifted artist. Just, you know, heard stories about, you know, self-destructive behaviors, you know, and gambling and, and all that, that that has held him, he's held himself back, I believe, you know. Right. Well, I want everyone out there, please go to GaryPNunn.com and check out all the stuff that's available. That's one R in Gary, three N's in Nunn, GaryPNunn.com. And uh, check out the shows. And also, there's some great, great music that you're going to enjoy. I put all these labels on you at the beginning that you're a, a singer, a songwriter, recording artist, a performer. You could add memoirist to the list. How would you define Gary P. Nunn? Who are you at heart? 
Well, I guess I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Pretty darn good at some. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I do wear a lot of hats, and uh, it, it, I have to watch my P's and Q's and stay after the business and all that. But, you know, you know, in my heart, I love the music. You know, I go over to my little studio over here, and I'll, I'll play play some of my records, and I'll sit down and play along with them, and just like I was in a recording studio or something. And, you know, I, I really, I just really enjoy playing and songs that I like, you know, and I've never cut anything that I didn't like, you know. I always enjoy hearing it. So, you know, I feel pretty good uh, about the fact that, you know, that I've been, with the time I have available to devote to to, to the actual music part of it, uh, you know, that, that I've done a pretty good job. Absolutely. I was telling a, a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, who is originally from Texas, I, I, he said, who's coming up? Who you got? Who you got on the schedule? And I said... Gary P. Nunn is coming on. And he said, that's a lie. <laughs> but it's not a lie. And uh, I want to thank you so much for being our guest. It's been a great pleasure to do this interview, a, a real honor for me. And I always like to leave the guest with the microphone. You just never know where someone tuned in or when they tune in. What would you say to that person, wherever they're from, wherever they are, who joined us today? Well, uh, I, you know, I would say, you know, live a good, clean life and live long and, and be happy and, and uh, you know, and listen to Gary P. Nunn every chance you get. You might be surprised. I, I'm, I'm different, but uh, I always try to leave a few little gems of wisdom or heartfelt soulfulness, you know, in all of my songs. And, so I'm from Texas, and I'm very proud of Texas and and devoted to to this state. But I, I love I love all of America, and uh, you know every state's a beautiful state, and all there's lots of beautiful people all over the world. So and it just invites you to look us up. You see us at Green Hall or Luke and Bach. You know you want to take a Texas road trip. You know you won't be disappointed, and you'll get a dose of uh, a pure Texas. Uh, culture in one evening and a weekend you know by coming out and traveling out we do get people as a matter of fact i played at uh at lukenbach last year and people did come from south carolina out to be there for just that show so so we're not that far away and uh i hope you'll come see us hope you give us a listen download my songs you know i can never sell too many songs and and uh, you know, I want to get I want to get my music in your house and play it for your kids. And uh, so that's about about all I can say about that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And I'll just add one suggestion: uh, a great gateway for for people, uh, an album that really it's an eclectic kind of live recording. It's called Lost and Found Seventy Nine. It's just got quite oh, a yeah. to it. I love it. Just thought I'd say that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, I did that. I, I was going through during the pandemic. I was going through my you know, boxes of tapes and thinking I discovered this uh, seven-inch uh, uh, 
real to real tape, and it was like the demos, board board mixes from the session I did that that never got released. You know, I started listening to it and said, you know, that's probably some of the best performing soulful singing that I've ever done. And great songs. Uh, I picked a, a great uh, selection of songs. Some of the great writers around here in Austin and. And uh, I appreciate you saying that because that, that's one of my my favorite uh, things. I think I was because I was at a low point in my life, you know, and I think that that uh, that comes out in that record in a real soulful manner. And I'm I'm real proud of it. Well, again, Gary P. Nunn, thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. I sure appreciate you getting in touch, and I uh, and, uh, uh, wish you all the best with your program. All right. Look for, looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Until next time. I look forward to that. All right. Well, let me know when you're here. I'll give you the royal treatment. Oh, bless you. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right. We'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. Adios, amigos. Bye. Bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.